With all the attention being given to the climate change aspects of sustainability, it's sometimes easy to overlook the growing importance of sustainability when it comes to conserving the world's increasingly constrained supplies of fresh water. Industry is among the largest consumers of fresh water, and many global manufacturers have identified water scarcity as a significant risk factor to continuing operations. To answer this challenge, operators of both municipal and industrial water and wastewater treatment systems are in the midst of their own transformations. From often vulnerable run-to-fail operations to smarter optimized systems driven by the effective integration and analysis of data from the field on up. Hello, my name is Keith Larson, publisher of Control Magazine and ControlGlobal.com, and you're listening to a Solution Spotlight edition of our Control Amplified podcast, sponsored this week by Anderson House. To discuss this ongoing transformation of our water wastewater infrastructure, happy to be joined today by Nick Hansen. National Industry Manager for Water and Wastewater with Anderson Hauser here in the U.S. Welcome, Nick. A real pleasure to uh, to talk with you today. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Well, as a leader in the process instrumentation marketplace, what opportunities is Anderson Hauser seeing in the in the water wastewater industry? Yeah, so there's there's growth happening. That's for sure. The marketplace for water wastewater. I would say is a evolutionary one, not a revolutionary one. Mm-hmm. So any growth you might see is incremental, but um, in terms of kind of the largest opportunities right now, um, there's been a big focus placed on modular decentralized type treatment operations, mm-hmm. um, kind of getting away from putting all of our eggs in one basket with like a local municipality treatment plant. You know, we've seen instances where plants get overran or if a natural disaster occurs, that one facility that supplies water to thousands upon thousands of residents um, so it suddenly becomes compromised, like that's a big issue. So sure. Yeah. I would say even just as it pertains to the economies of scale and reaching more people with clean water, both for drinking and for treating waste, um, just having a modular approach seems to fit the bill and is and is really taken off. So from like OEM partners of ours, um, we've been seeing large uptake in that kind of business. Mm-hmm. And not to say that the, the local municipalities and the decentralized treatment processes aren't being updated as well. They are, but uh, it's kind of a, it's an evolution. Like I said, there's a, there's a lot happening. Yeah, it makes sense that the more modular approach would probably make it easier for those OEMs to build systems that, that build on. You don't have to do the unique engineering and design every time you want to build a plan as well. More modular. Exactly. But beyond, you know, as an instrumentation company, uh, beyond measuring and controlling, of course, your flow rates and tank levels and the occasional temperature, analytical instrumentation really seems to be uh, an important function of water wastewater instrumentation to verify water quality. And those analytical techniques seem to be constantly evolving along with the regulations. Are more analytical techniques moving online versus sampling type procedures? And are there there are new analytical methods being required by more recent regulations? The answer is yes and yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not uh, a, lead, a leading question, but yeah. Yeah, let's unpack that a little bit. So okay. I like to steal a line that one of my colleagues said a while ago. Um, and that line is you can't control what you don't measure, which I think really hits home just because not for one, it makes sense, but then two, it kind of, refocuses the importance of data accuracy and availability. Mm-hmm. And so your first part of the question are, are more um, liquid analysis measurements going 
online? So the answer is yes. And it's purely because we need more data. We need more consistent data, especially as regulations get, get handed out across the country and regional base. Uh, more customers seem to want that type of measurement in-house uh, where that they don't have to rely on a third party. And just having that uh, higher data availability not only improves their reporting purposes, but also um, lets them react quicker to any upsets in the processes to make changes and, and address things on the fly. So, yeah, it's it's becoming overwhelmingly important now, um, specifically for regulations like low-level phosphorus in wastewater. That's been kind of a, a, a surge of of spotlight for measurement taking place on site versus in a lab mm-hmm. or in the process directly. Um, taking a sample and making that measurement, um, you know, having that that data point now kind of in-house has been a huge demand. And yeah, like just in general, liquid analysis, you know, water quality as it pertains to our liquid analysis measurement. Obviously, water quality is of the most importance as it pertains to drinking water. Sure. Um, so yeah, just making sure that we have the best instrumentation possible, best data accuracy, et cetera, like that, all that goes a long way. Yeah, that makes sense. Are there new analytical techniques that are, are have, have come to the fore or moved out into the process analyzer uh, approach uh, more recently? So I would say that the legacy type measurements kind of dominate still. So color metric technology being one for online analyzers, yeah. that seems to be kind of the majority. But we are seeing some some uptake in other technologies. Um, we ourselves are developing and researching new technologies as well. But I'd, I'd say the technologies currently in play, you know, measuring other constituents, they they do make um, great candidates for these new constituents uh, measurements as well. So it's it's kind of a, a changing of the old guard, like we're still going to use what, what we're familiar with. And then uh, as these newer technologies come into play, then we'll investigate. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Also, it seems like in the COVID pandemic, every industry sector was really focused on improving accessibility of data and systems, whether remotely or, or even you know, across the plant. Has it been any different for, for the wastewater wastewater sector? Uh, I would say that it's been, I think the, the water wastewater sector has been equally impacted by uh, recent pandemic and, and everything that's kind of changed the landscape of our workforce, my work, my workplace, their workplace, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they, yeah, whether they wanted to or not, they were forced to uh, kind of uh, adapt to the changing landscape of, you know, having minimal staff so that we minimize contact between employees or mm-hmm. contact tracing if someone does get sick. Um, but then also just trying to automate our processes so that in this new type of workplace where we can be remote or there is a skeleton crew um, having systems that are automated with better data i guess exposure remotely has been has been pretty key uh, also kind of on the topic of remote side of things being able to troubleshoot remotely has been a huge requirement if someone physically can't be on site or can't travel to for instance, the remote side, pump station, lift station, et cetera, being able to troubleshoot and, and remotely diagnose something is uh, proving to be a huge value add as well. 
So something that we've, you know, internally promoted at ENH uh, with our products for, for years is now starting to become more and more in demand and, and maybe somebody who wasn't so focused on the remote diagnostics aspect before is now, now a bit more interested. Yeah. It would seem like the, the, the modular aspect that we touched on earlier where you have maybe multiple, multiple treatment systems spread out geographically makes it, makes it more critical as well as opposed to having just one central municipal water treatment plant where everything's located, having to get data and, and diagnostics from multiple modular systems would be a requirement as well. Yeah, and just kind of like stretching out the reach of our field layer of instruments and data collection. So not sticking to a mindset of having only data or data measurement taking place inside the fence, I'll say, which mm -hmm. just means like in the plant or like on site, but right. having it out into all of our remote sites. So whether it's a simple like collection stream from a local reservoir, you know, having, having more data there, liquid analysis measurement points, flow, level, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So like not only stretching out the amount of measurements being made, but yeah, having that, uh, the capability of the remote access, uh, live views, diagnostics, et cetera. Yeah, it's, it's, it's growing for sure. So knowing what's going on in all the lift stations and pumping stations that may be distributed around, that makes a lot of sense. Especially um, lift stations. You do want an overflow situation at a lift station. Right, exactly. And a lot of those were not very well instrumented, as I understood uh, recently. And slowly getting there, but historically, there wasn't a lot of, a lot of instrumentation. Uh, Attention to um, how, but how specifically is Anderson Hauser making it easier for for customers to access, understand, and make better decisions based on, on the data coming out from from your field layer and your Yeah. So traditionally, diagnostic information from a field layer device has always been there. So for the past, for the recent past, most. New generation products that are being released come with something called heartbeat technology from Anderson Hauser. But this diagnostics information, like I said, has been there for a while. It's just not being utilized or it's being underutilized. Mm -hmm. So trying to take what's already there potentially within a system, if it's our products or others, um, taking that diagnostic information and bringing it up to a cloud-based platform, um, something that we're actually calling Netillion. Mm -hmm. But bringing it to a cloud-based platform to basically crunch the diagnostic information, um, have algorithms to produce predictive maintenance alerts, to produce uh, kind of real-time alarms to something that might need to be addressed, something that might be needing a cleaning, um, something that might have failed that needs a specific part and knowing exactly what that part is. So traditionally, I would say that kind of information is underutilized purely because it puts a huge demand on the local PLC systems or DCS systems. So, you know, an end user or a customer or an OEM might not have the bandwidth um, on their local control system to bring in the, the data. You know, IO is, is an expensive thing. Yeah. Um, but then also to have a proper historian to store that data, but then you have all the data, <laughs> what do you do with it? So furthermore, having something that actually is taking that data and turning it into useful information. So that's been the disconnect is kind of those three steps of getting the data and making use of it. Yeah, so the idea with Natillion is that 
we offload the burden of that additional information from local system, bring it directly into our system, and make those alerts, alarms, messages, etc., automated from a kind of a global view of all devices at a site, at a plant, etc. And that's been it's been taking off in terms of interest and and execution just because of that changing landscape that we talked about, you know, with COVID and the pandemic, I guess it kind of opened everyone's eyes to the possibilities of a remote environment in our current systems. So having, having all of that accessible, but then also having that really rich data to make decisions on and, and know, I like to say also that it's, it's kind of in contrast to the current state of affairs where a typical typical plant might install, say, a level transmitter and not really think about it until it fails, which is right. common. Use all those capabilities yeah. when, you, when, you, when you install it and, and commission it, and then, then it just picks out a flow rate uh, for, the, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, I'll install a light bulb in my house, and I'm not going to check it until it burns out, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> like, that run, that run to fail model is pretty inherent to all of us. Mm-hmm. But what we're seeing is that we don't have to operate like that. We can make use of all this rich data that we currently have accessible to us to prevent any downtime. So uh, no downtime, no scrambling to get a replacement. Um, light bulbs might be on the shelves, but a level transmitter or a flow meter might not be. Um, so yeah, taking, taking that step out of Kind of the operation side is, is freeing up a lot of resources too. As far as just connecting to the Natillion cloud, is that purely a you know on-premise type of, of application, or if they do they have do you have the opportunity to maybe on, on a field gateway or a field cabinet to use a cellular modem to pick up that kind of information to the cloud? How, how does that normally get deployed? Yeah, so we can do both. It can be on-premise, uh, which is pretty secure way of handling things. Mm-hmm. I know there are users that um, specifically are addressing cybersecurity as it pertains to kind of remote or cloud-based applications. Mm-hmm. So we can have it on-premise, but we can also do it cloud-based. So having local um, switches and gateways on site that yeah. interface with our instruments and others and then report that data to the cloud. You know, obviously we do adhere to um, all the standards related to cybersecurity and we're, we place a huge focus on that aspect as well. So you can calm the nerves of anyone who's who's questioning that aspect um, for that installation type, but yeah, we can do it both ways. Are there other areas of sustainability improvement that are available to industrial users of water? How is uh, Anderson Hauser driving innovation in that area? Yeah, great question. Sustainability is a huge kind of buzzword. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the the sector of water, wastewater, and sustainability kind of go hand in hand right now. Yeah. Obviously, as it pertains to to local producers of water, having a sustainable or an efficient process not only impacts their bottom line. So if they're not losing any water or they're they're very efficient with their processes and their chemicals and et cetera and how they treat, they can they can maximize um, you know profit and have a lean running operation. But on the mm-hmm. flip side, also um, you know we need to be mindful of the source of our water. Yeah. And 
Uh, if you're up to up to date on current events, you can see you know Lake Mead is dropping to historic lows mm -hmm. um, in some parts of the country in the West. Um, so water source is is dwindling. Yeah. In other parts of the country, we have flooding where <laughs> it takes out municipal treatment facilities. So yeah. um, you might see that as a surplus of water, but really it, it disrupts the whole infrastructure of producing clean drinking water. Yeah. So on the topic of sustainability, like not only do we want to be mindful of our business, but we need to be mindful of the environment. And I would say the way that we're impacting that the most is just, again, through through really accurate measurement and bringing in as much um, of these, I guess, calculated and detailed um, information as we can to make an end users or an OEM, et cetera, make their process as efficient as possible. We give them the tools to make that happen. And our tools kind of blend into that conversation of, of being, you know, have as much uptime as possible, no downtime, having efficient processes, being able to make changes quickly to a process if it, if there's an upset. So yeah, we're not directly responsible for, for producing uh, large quantities of water in nature, right. but um, I like to say that we're pretty good at conserving them. Yeah. Well, great. Great. Well, thank you for, thank you for all you do. It's, a, it's certainly an important cause. And I I appreciate that. And thanks also for sharing your perspective with us today. I uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Again, my name is Keith Larson, and you've been listening to a Control Amplified podcast. And my guest today has been Nick Hansen, National Industry Manager for Water Waste, Water for Endless, and Hauser here in the United States. Nick, if any of our listeners today want to learn more about ENH's offering in the water waste, water for industry, where can they go for more information or contact you directly directly with questions? Yeah, um, we have a great U.S.-based website specific to our market. It's us.endris.com. And then we also recently released a new process automation blog where myself and other industry managers and product managers kind of put up uh, white papers and, and the latest information on tough applications and, and enhancements and technologies and that blog is endressprocessautomation.com. And then I am personally also pretty active on LinkedIn in terms of sharing my my activities as I travel across the country. And um, so yeah, you can just find me on LinkedIn, Nick Hansen. Um, I think my URL is actually forward slash Nick Hansen CU Boulder. Okay, great. Yeah, I found you pretty quickly with just Nick Hansen, so it shouldn't be very hard. <laughs> <laughs> so really appreciate you taking the time today. Uh, thanks again. Thanks for all of you who are listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks once again to Anderson Hauser for sponsoring this episode. And if you on the listener side have enjoyed it, you can subscribe at the iTunes Store, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Plus, you can find the full archive of past episodes at controlglobal.com. Signing off until next time.